I'm Barbara Buchanan, and this is Tales from Weird Scotland. The stories told in Tales from Weird Scotland explore dark and distressing events from Scotland's past. For this reason, the podcasts are not recommended for young people or any other listener who may find such content upsetting. This episode contains descriptions of torture and execution, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Scottish Women What images are conjured in your mind when you hear those words? Do you see a bonny highland lassie striding out across heather-covered moorland, her red hair tugged by the breeze as she makes her way to meet her sweetheart? Or is it the unsmiling, apron-wearing urban matriarch who rules her family with a rod of iron and the sharpest of tongues? Perhaps best to beware on-screen stereotypes? or indeed any other rigid definition of what we Scottish women may or may not be. It is fair to say, though, that we have the reputation of being independent of mind and having smedum, a word from the Scots language which loosely translates as spirit and strength. Today, for the most part, we can use these qualities, personal talents and abilities and choose our own path in life. We may marry, or not. We may become, for example, athletes or architects, historians or homemakers, musicians or mechanics, surgeons or soldiers, journalists or judges, plumbers or professors or politicians, even rising to become first minister of the country. The opportunities that exist for us now are in large part due to the efforts of women of earlier generations who struggled and campaigned for the rights which we so often take for granted. To fully appreciate what we have and how much things have changed, it's good to take pause and think about the lives of Scottish women in days gone by, to compare and contrast the present and the past. But it can be difficult to feel a connection to generalities. So, let's throw open the sash window of history and look through at the life of one woman in particular. Her name is Janet Douglas, and this is her story. Janet was born around the year 1498. Not for her the hard life of the crofter's wife, scratching a living from the unforgiving soil. Nor a life of servitude, her hands red raw and calloused from hard labour. For Janet was of noble birth, a daughter of the clan Douglas, one of the most important families in Scotland. Janet was described as being of middle height, with an oval face and large eyes, She had a fair complexion and a noble bearing. She was chaste, modest and had solid judgment. She was said to have courage above what would be expected of her sex. Her behaviour was pleasant and engaging with her inferiors as well as her equals. 
Janet was a beautiful woman of impeccable character and was much respected. In her day, women of noble families were destined for marriage and had little choice in who their husband would be. They were unlikely to marry for love. Much more likely was to be contracted in marriage to strengthen the bond between two families, consolidate land holdings or cement a political alliance. Not necessarily the best basis for happiness. But Janet's marriage to John Lyon, 6th Lord Glam's, was by all accounts a happy one. They lived peacefully at Glam's Castle in the countryside about 60 miles north of Edinburgh and they had four children. But their quiet domesticity was set against a backdrop of political turmoil at the heart of which was her brother, Archibald Douglas, 6th Earl of Angus, a man of towering ambition. When King James IV of Scotland died at the Battle of Flodden in 1513, his son and heir, King James V, was just 17 months old. His mother, the Queen Dowager Margaret Tudor, was confirmed regent to rule until her son was of age. But as both a woman and the sister of King Henry VIII of England, Scotland's old enemy, there were those who soon wished to replace her. Archibald saw an opportunity to take power by marrying the Queen Dowager. But the young king was a steward. The marriage of a regent to a Douglas resulted in her being removed from the regency and replaced by the Duke of Albany, a steward and third in line to the throne. Archibald again gained custody of the young king when he was 12 years old and for three years kept him a virtual prisoner. Archibald now had what he wanted. He was the most important noble in Scotland, exercising the power of a king. Finally, in 1528, James escaped his clutches and took up the reins of government himself. Archibald was forced into exile in England. But James's hatred of both him and his family was deep-rooted and would never be forgotten. For Janet... This was to have serious consequences as the king sought revenge. Janet's husband died the same year. One of the first actions of the newly free king was to accuse her of murdering her husband by poisoning him. She was charged with this and treason against the king by supporting her brother. Both of these charges were completely unfounded and the proceedings against her dismissed. Janet was freed. To prove her innocence of treason, she would cut off all communications with her blood family. As with Margaret Tudor to Archibald Douglas, it was common for widows to remarry quite quickly, if for no other reason than to gain the protection of a husband. As a beautiful and eligible woman, Janet had many suitors, men of wealth and title. But she preferred a man of merit and chose a soldier. Archibald Campbell of Skipnish, marrying him four years after her first husband's death. Her life was again settled and happy. Tragically for Janet, she had become the object of the unwanted attentions of her first husband's close relative, William Lyon, who pursued her relentlessly even after her second marriage. 
when she rejected him in the most uncertain of terms, declaring she had been courteous to him as her husband's relative, but that she now hated him and would never comply with his wishes, William Lyon's obsessive love turned to obsessive hate. He had the ear of the king, who was only too ready to listen to William's assertions that Janet and her husband were plotting to poison him. High treason, punishable by death. Another opportunity to take revenge on the Clan Douglas had presented itself to the king. Janet, her husband and 16-year-old son, John Lyon, now 7th Lord Glams, were arrested and thrown into the dark dungeons of Edinburgh Castle. As the accusations were malicious and untrue, there was no evidence on which they could be convicted. So evidence was manufactured. Janet's kinsmen and servants were tortured. Their bodies stretched on the rack until the pain became so unbearable they made false statements against her. John was made to watch the torture and may have been subjected to it himself. His spirit broken, he confessed to a crime he did not commit. The king now had the evidence of treason he needed and their fate was sealed. Janet and her son and husband were condemned to death. Janet was sentenced to be burnt at the stake on Edinburgh's Castle Hill, a favourite location for the burning of murderers or those accused of witchcraft. A scaffold was erected and wood sent around it for the fire. On the 17th of July, 1537, Janet was brought from the dungeons. Having spent so long in the darkness, she was by now almost blind. She displayed the same dignity and courage when she faced death as she had throughout her life. She was lashed to the scaffold and the fire was lit beneath her. Her son was forced to look on as his mother was consumed by the flames. Such executions were held in public and a crowd had gathered to watch. Often these crowds would jeer or cheer as the flames leapt up. But not this time. The crowd was silent. There could not have been one amongst them who thought this was a righteous act. Had she known, it would have been a comfort to Janet that her son would be freed on account of his young age, although his lands were for a time confiscated by the king. Her husband was spared her fate, plunging to his death in a courageous attempt to escape from the castle by rope down its precipitous walls. In a final act of royal vengeance, King James took up residence in her home, Glam's Castle. In modern parlance, Janet Douglas was collateral damage, swept up as she was in events which were not of her making. But even with her life unravelling before her, and indeed as she drew her last breath amongst the suffocating smoke, she demonstrated those reputed qualities of the Scottish woman independence of mind and smedum. Hers is such a human story, it's easy to feel empathy for her, to feel a connection to her even after the passage of centuries. Sadly, it is not known where Janet's ashes lie. So this is the end of her story. Or is it? Not long after Janet's death, 
A hollow knocking sound began to be heard at times in Glam's castle, and the apparition of what became known as the Grey Lady first appeared. The knocking was said to be the ghostly hammering of the workmen as they built the scaffold on which Janet would be executed. The Grey Lady is one of several ghosts said to haunt the halls and rooms of historic glams. She is most commonly cited in its tranquil heart, the beautifully painted chapel, perhaps kneeling at the altar, or simply walking across and disappearing through the wall. Although infrequent now, whenever a religious service is held in the chapel, one seat is set aside for the Grey Lady should she choose to attend, for she is Janet Douglas, safe home where she was happy, at Glam's. That was Barbara Buchanan. This episode was written by Barbara Buchanan. Barbara is the latest addition to the Weird Scotland team. Me and Gordon have known Barbara for years and are very pleased that she's joined us on our journey through Scotland's strange and wonderful past. As we work more on this project and produce more episodes, it begins to feel more and more like a real thing. This year we've set ourselves the goal of releasing one episode per month, barring unforeseen circumstances. So, with that in mind, if you like what you're hearing, please feel free to recommend the show to like-minded weirdos, subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice, share episodes on social media, you can find us on Twitter as Tales from Weird Scotland Podcast, and also let us know what you think. It's always nice to hear from listeners. After that shameless plug, all that remains to say is this episode was produced and radiophonically designed by me, Nick Cole-Hamilton. This is a You Better Run Media production. Join us again soon for more Tales from Weird Scotland.